0: Section 19 of Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, Part 2. Section 19. Chapters 96 through 99. Chapter 96. About that time, I was very intimate with Girolamo Deli Albizzi, commissary of the duke's militia. One day this friend said to me, O benvenuto, it would not be a bad thing to put your little difference of opinion with the duke to rights, and I assure you that if you repose confidence in me, I feel myself the man to settle matters. I know what I'm saying. The duke is getting really angry, and you will come badly out of the affair. Let this suffice. I am not at liberty to say all I know. Now, subsequently to that conversation with the Duchess, I had been told by someone, possibly a rogue, that he had heard how the Duke said upon some occasion which offered itself, For less than two farthings I will throw Perseus to the dogs, and so our differences will be ended. This then made me anxious, and induced me to entrust Girolamo degli Albizzi with the negotiations. Telling him anything would satisfy me, provided I retained the good graces of the duke. That honest fellow was excellent in all his dealings with soldiers, especially with the militia, who are for the most part rustics, but he had no taste for statuary, and therefore could not understand its conditions. Consequently, when he spoke to the duke, he began thus, ''Prince, Benvenuto has placed himself in my hands "'and has begged me to recommend him to Your Excellency?' "'The Duke replied, "'I too am willing to refer myself to you, "'and shall be satisfied with your decision.' "'Thereupon, Girolamo composed a letter, "'with much skill and greatly to my honour, "'fixing the sum which the Duke would have to pay me "'at thirty-five hundred golden crowns in gold, "'and this should not be taken as my proper recompense "'for such a masterpiece.' but only as a kind of gratuity—enough to say that I was satisfied with many other phrases of like tenor, all of which implied the price which I have mentioned. The duke signed this agreement as gladly as I took it sadly. When the duchess heard, she said, "'It would have been better for that poor man if he had placed himself in my hands. I could have got him five thousand crowns in gold. One day, when I went to the palace, She repeated these same words to me in the presence of Messer Alamano Salviati, and laughed at me a little, saying that I deserved my bad luck. The Duke gave orders that I should be paid a hundred golden crowns in gold per month until the sum was discharged, and thus it ran for some months. Afterwards, Messer Antonio de Nobili, who had to transact the business, began to give me fifty and sometimes, later on, he gave me twenty-five, and sometimes nothing. Accordingly, when I saw that the settlement was being thus deferred, I spoke good-humouredly to Messer Antonio, and begged him to explain why he did not complete my payments. He answered in a like tone of politeness, yet it struck me that he exposed his own mind too much. Let the reader judge. He began by saying that the sole reason why he could not go forward regularly with these payments was the scarcity of money at the palace. But he promised, when cash came in, to discharge arrears. Then he added, Oh heavens, if I did not pay you, I should be an utter rogue. I was somewhat surprised to hear him speak in that way, yet I resolved to hope that he would pay me when he had the power to do so. But when I observed that things went quite the contrary way, and saw that I was being pillaged, I lost temper with the man, and recalled to his memory, hotly and in anger, what he had declared he would be if he did not pay me. However, he died, and five hundred crowns are still owing to me at the present date, which is nigh upon the end of 1566. There was also a balance due upon my salary, which I thought would be forgotten, since three years had elapsed without payment, but it so happened that the duke fell ill of a serious malady, remaining forty-eight hours without passing water. Finding that the remedies of his physicians availed nothing, it is probable that he betook himself to God, and therefore decreed the discharge of all debts to his servants. I too was paid on this occasion, yet I never obtained what still stood out upon my Perseus." chapter 97 i had almost determined to say nothing more about that unlucky perseus but a most remarkable incident which i do not like to omit obliges me to do so wherefore i must now turn back a bit to gather up the thread of my narration i thought i was acting for the best when i told the duchess that i could not compromise affairs which were no longer in my hands seeing I had informed the duke that I should gladly accept whatever he chose to give me. I said this in the hope of gaining favor, and with this manifestation of submissiveness, I employed every likely means of pacifying his resentment, for I ought to add that a few days before he came to terms with Albizzi, the duke had shown he was excessively displeased with me. The reason was as follows i complained of some abominable acts of injustice done to me by messer alfonso cristelli messer jacopo polverino of the exchequer and more than all by sir Giovan battista brandini of volterra when therefore i set forth my cause with some vehemence the duke flew into the greatest rage conceivable being thus in anger he exclaimed this is just the same as with your perseus when you asked those ten thousand crowns You let yourself be blinded by mere cupidity, therefore I shall have the statue valued and shall give you what the experts think it worth. To these words I replied with too much daring and a touch of indignation, which is always out of place in dealing with great princes. How is it possible that my work should be valued at its proper worth when there is not a man in Florence capable of performing it? That increased his irritation he uttered many furious phrases and among them said there is in florence at this day a man well able to make such a statue and who is therefore highly capable of judging it he meant bandinello cavaliere of san jacopo then i rejoined my lord your most illustrious excellency gave me the means of producing an important and very difficult masterpiece in the midst of this the noblest school of the world and my work has been received with warmer praises than any other heretofore exposed before the gaze of our incomparable masters. My chief pride is the commendation of those able men who both understand and practice the arts of design, as in particular Bronzino the painter. This man set himself to work, and composed four sonnets couched in the choicest style, and full of honour to myself. Perhaps it was his example which moved the whole city to such a tumult of enthusiasm. I freely admit that if sculpture were his business instead of painting, then Bronzino might have been equal to a task like mine. Michele Agnolo Buonarroti, again whom I am proud to call my master, he, I admit, could have achieved the same success when he was young, but not with less fatigue and trouble than I endured. But now that he is far advanced in years, he would most certainly be found unequal to the strain. Therefore, I think I am justified in saying that no man known upon this earth could have produced my Perseus. For the rest, my work has received the greatest reward I could have wished for in this world, chiefly and especially because your most illustrious excellency not only expressed yourself satisfied, but praised it far more highly than any one beside. What greater and more honourable prize could be desired by me? I affirm most emphatically that Your Excellency could not pay me with more glorious coin, nor add from any treasury a wealth surpassing this. Therefore I hold myself overpaid already, and return thanks to Your most illustrious Excellency with all my heart." The Duke made answer, "'Probably you think I have not the money to pay you. For my part, I PROMISE YOU THAT I SHALL PAY YOU MORE FOR THE STATUE THAN IT IS WORTH." THEN I RETORTED. I DID NOT PICTURE TO MY FANCY ANY BETTER RECOMPENSE FROM YOUR EXCELLENCY. YET I ACCOUNT MYSELF AMPLY REMUNERATED FOR THAT FIRST REWARD WHICH THE SCHOOL OF FLORENCE GAVE ME. WITH THIS TO CONSOLE ME, I SHALL TAKE MY DEPARTURE ON THE INSTANT, WITHOUT RETURNING TO THE HOUSE YOU GAVE ME, AND SHALL NEVER SEEK TO SET FOOT IN THIS TOWN AGAIN. We were just at San Felicita, and His Excellency was proceeding to the palace. When he heard these choleric words, he turned upon me in stern anger and exclaimed, You shall not go. Take heed, you do not go. Half terrified, I then followed him to the palace. On arriving there, His Excellency sent for the Archbishop of Pisa, named De Bartolini, and Messer Pandolfo della Stufa, requesting them to order Basho Bandinelli, in his name, to examine well my Perseus and value it, since he wished to pay its exact price. These excellent men went forthwith and performed their embassy. In reply, Bandinello said that he had examined the statue minutely, and knew well enough what it was worth, but having been on bad terms otherwise with me for some time past, he did not care to be entangled anyhow in my affairs." Then they began to put a gentle pressure on him, saying, The duke ordered us to tell you, under pain of his displeasure, that you are to value the statue, and you may have two or three days to consider your estimate. When you have done so, tell us at what price it ought to be paid. He answered that his judgment was already formed, that he could not disobey the duke, and that my work was rich and beautiful and excellent in execution. Therefore he thought, Sixteen thousand crowns or more would not be an excessive price for it. Those good and courteous gentlemen reported this to the duke, who was mightily enraged. They also told the same to me. I replied that nothing in the world would induce me to take praise from Bandinello, seeing that this bad man speaks ill of everybody. My words were carried to the duke, and that was the reason why the duchess wanted me to place the matter in her hands. All that I have written is the pure truth. I will only add that I ought to have trusted to her intervention, for then I should have been quickly paid, and should have received so much more into the bargain. CHAPTER 98 The Duke sent me word by Messer Lelio Torello, his master of the rolls, that he wanted me to execute some bas reliefs in bronze for the choir of San Maria del Fiore. Now the choir was by Bandinello and I did not choose to enrich his bad work with my labours. He had not indeed designed it, for he understood nothing whatever about architecture. The design was given by Giuliano, the son of that di Agnolo, the woodcarver, who spoiled the cupola. Suffice it to say that it shows no talent. For both reasons, I was determined not to undertake the task, although I told the duke politely that I would do whatever His Most Illustrious Excellency ordered. Accordingly, he put the matter into the hands of the Board of Works for San Maria del Fiore, telling them to come to an agreement with me. He would continue my allowance of two hundred crowns a year, while they were to supply the rest out of their funds. In due course, I came before the Board, and they told me what the Duke had arranged, Feeling that I could explain my views more frankly to these gentlemen, I began by demonstrating that so many histories in bronze would cost a vast amount of money, which would be totally thrown away, giving all my reasons, which they fully appreciated. In the first place, I said that the construction of the choir was altogether incorrect, without proportion, art, convenience, grace, or good design. In the next place, The bar reliefs would have to stand too low, beneath the proper line of vision. They would become a place for dogs to piss at and be always full of ordure. Consequently, I declined positively to execute them. However, since I did not wish to throw away the best years of my life, and was eager to serve His Most Illustrious Excellency, whom I had the sincerest desire to gratify and obey, I made the following proposal. Let the Duke, if he wants to employ my talents, give me the middle door of the cathedral to perform in bronze. This would be well seen and would confer far more glory on his most illustrious excellency. I would bind myself by contract to receive no remuneration unless I produced something better than the finest of the baptistry doors. But if I completed it according to my promise, then I was willing to have it valued and to be paid one thousand crowns less than the estimate made by experts. The members of the board were well pleased with this suggestion, and went at once to report the matter to the duke, among them being Piero Salviati. They expected him to be extremely gratified with their communication, but it turned out just the contrary. He replied that I was always wanting to do the exact opposite of what he bade me, and so Piero left him without coming to any conclusion. On hearing this, I went off to the duke at once, who displayed some irritation when he saw me. However, I begged him to condescend to hear me, and he replied that he was willing. I then began from the beginning and used such convincing arguments that he saw at last how the matter really stood, since I made it evident that he would only be throwing a large sum of money away. Then I softened his temper by suggesting that if his most illustrious excellency did not care to have the door begun, two pulpits had anyhow to be made for the choir, and that these would both of them be considerable works, which would confer glory on his reign. For my part, I was ready to execute a great number of bronze bas-reliefs with appropriate decorations. In this way I brought him round and he gave me orders to construct the models. Accordingly, I set at work on several models, and bestowed immense pains on them. Among these, there was one with eight panels, carried out with far more science than the rest, and which seemed to me more fitted for the purpose. Having taken them several times to the place, His Excellency sent word by Messer Cesare, the keeper of his wardrobe, that I should leave them there. After the Duke had inspected them, I perceived that he had selected the least beautiful. One day he sent for me, and during our conversation about the models, I gave many reasons why the octagonal pulpit would be far more convenient for its destined uses, and would produce a much finer effect. He answered that he wished me to make it square, because he liked that form better, and thus he went on conversing for some time, very pleasantly. I, meanwhile, lost no opportunity of saying everything I could in the interests of art. Now whether the Duke knew that I had spoken the truth, or whether he wanted to have his own way, a long time passed before I heard anything more about it. Chapter 99 About this time the great block of marble arrived which was intended for the Neptune. It had been brought up the Arno, and then by the Grieve to the road at Poggio Acaano, in order to be carried to Florence by that level way, and there I went to see it. Now I knew very well that the Duchess, by her special influence, had managed to have it given to Bandinello. No envy prompted me to dispute his claims, but rather pity for that poor unfortunate piece of marble. Observe, by the way, that everything, whatever it may be, which is subject to an evil destiny, although one tries to save it from some manifest evil, falls at once into far worse plight, as happened to this marble when it came into the hands of Bartolomeo Amanato, of whom I shall speak the truth in its proper place. After inspecting this most splendid block, I measured it in every direction, and on returning to Florence made several little models suited to its proportions. Then I went to Poggio Acaano, where the duke and duchess were staying with their son the prince. I found them all at table, the duke and duchess dining in a private apartment. So I entered into conversation with the prince. We had been speaking for a long while, when the duke, who was in a room adjacent, heard my voice, and condescended very graciously to send for me. When I presented myself before their excellencies, The Duchess addressed me in a very pleasant tone, and having thus opened the conversation, I gradually introduced the subject of that noble block of marble I had seen. I then proceeded to remark that their ancestors had brought the magnificent school of Florence to such a pitch of excellence only by stimulating competition among artists in their several branches. It was thus that the wonderful cupola and the lovely doors of San Giovanni had been produced, together with those multitudes of handsome edifices and statues which made a crown of artistic glory for their city above anything the world had seen since the days of the ancients upon this the duchess with some anger observed that she very well knew what i meant and bade me never mention that block of marble in her presence since she did not like it i replied so then You do not like me to act as the attorney of your excellencies and to do my utmost to ensure your being better served? Reflect upon it, my lady. If your most illustrious excellencies think fit to open the model for a Neptune to competition, although you are resolved to give it to Bandinello, this will urge Bandinello, for his own credit, to display greater art and science than if he knew he had no rivals. In this way, my princess, You will be far better served, and will not discourage our school of artists. You will be able to perceive which of us is eager to excel in the grand style of our noble calling, and will show yourselves princes who enjoy and understand the fine arts." The Duchess, in a great rage, told me that I tired her patience out. She wanted the marble for Bandinello, adding, "'Ask the Duke!' for his excellency also means bandinello to have it when the duchess had spoken the duke who had kept silence up to this time said 20 years ago i had that fine block quarried especially for bandinello and so i mean that bandinello shall have it to do what he likes with it i turned to the duke and spoke as follows my lord I entreat your most illustrious excellency to lend a patient hearing while i speak four words in your service he told me to say all i wanted and that he would listen then i began you will remember my lord that the marble which bandinello used for his hercules and cacus was quarried for our incomparable michel agnolo bonarotti he had made the model for a samson with four figures which would have been the finest masterpiece in the whole world. But your Bandinello got out of it only two figures, both ill-executed and bungled in the worst manner. Wherefore, our school still exclaims against the great wrong which was done to that magnificent block. I believe that more than a thousand sonnets were put up in abuse of that detestable performance. And I know that your most illustrious excellency remembers the fact very well therefore my powerful prince seeing how the men to whose care that work was entrusted in their want of taste and wisdom took Michele marble away from him and gave it to bandinello who spoilt it in the way the world knows oh will you suffer this far more splendid block although it belongs to bandinello to remain in the hands of that man who cannot help mangling it instead of giving it to some artist of talent capable of doing it full justice arrange my lord that every one who likes shall make a model and have them all exhibited to the school you will then hear what the school thinks your own good judgment will enable you to select the best in this way finally you will not throw away your money nor discourage a band of artists the like of whom is not to be found at present in the world and who form the glory of your most illustrious Excellency. The Duke listened with the utmost graciousness, then he rose from the table and, turning to me, said, Go, my Benvenuto, make a model, and earn that fine marble for yourself, for what you say is the truth, and I acknowledge it. The Duchess tossed her head defiantly, and muttered, I know not what angry sentences. I made them a respectful bow and returned to Florence, burning with eagerness to set hands upon my model. End of section 19